On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're joined by Tyler Rucker of No Ceilings to discuss the 2023 NBA draft, who are the best fits for the Thunder, any trade partners, and some second-round sleepers on today's show. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Lockdown. Make every moment more by visiting FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started we're joined by no ceiling zone tyler rucker at tyler underscore rucker on twitter to discuss the 2023 nba draft at linked tyler how are you doing today Ryland, i'm doing good thanks for having me on um you know thunder up for all the diehard thunder fans out there i'm excited for this episode and excited to talk some nba drafts it's a beautiful time of the year it is a great time of the year. Now, you just launched the draft guide at No Ceilings. You can go get that for $10. What is what is it like compiling that draft guide? Ooh, it is a uh, it's a war zone. It's it's definitely a lot of patience. Um, you know, I have to give a shout out to my entire No Ceilings team. Uh, everyone's been working throughout the entire year on getting, you know, we we've got over I think about 18,000 words on 60 prospects. So scouting reports, graphics, analytics, everything you could ask for. And um, takes a lot of, a lot of hard workers and a lot of patient folks on our team to kind of come together and everyone has their own task and um, the support and has been absolutely fantastic early on. So yeah, anyone that's looking to check that out, just go to no and you'll find all of the information. Gonna find that draft guide, gonna find also some other great written work podcasts as well over there at No Ceilings. So what's it like for you whenever you when you when you sit down and you're about to evaluate a prospect, what are some of the things that you uh, typically do? Well, it's a long process that you you kind of gotta almost get a feel for each individual player and, and it sometimes it takes a different path with each player. Um you obviously gotta go back to the days of their high school ranks, you know, see what type of player they were there and kind of evaluate them. And then, you know, some of these guys that are playing one year in college. Some of them are spending multiple years. And then you got the guys overseas that, you know, you got to kind of get up to date with their journey and see where they've taken steps forward. And it's a, it's a long process kind of gives some people headaches, but um, a lot of patience, a lot of checking in and seeing, the growth and development of a player. So um, now we're at the time of the year where it's kind of just going back and reevaluating some film, kind of crossing the T's and dotting the I's. And um, it's a great time of the year, but I, I'm ready now. I think the whole no ceilings, a lot of draft community fans, we're ready to, ready to go with the draft, you know, less than 30 days away. So with the draft approaching and all the work that you've done on the draft, is there someone who immediately jumps out at you at pick 12 for the Thunder? You know, I think OKC's, you know, I, I have to give you some shout out, Ryland, because I heard your last episode where you were talking about the Boston Celtics and having a little bit of, you know, vibes with the Thunder. And I was like, thank you. Somebody else sees this. I've talked about that a lot on the No Ceiling Show. 
Um, but at 12, I think OKC is a really interesting team, obviously, because this is a team that's probably not going to be picking in the lottery, hopefully, for, for the foreseeable future, just because of how much talent they have going forward. And they've got a lot of future first round picks. So they're all of a sudden become a dangerous team. Um, I think personally, I think they're in a great spot to add a, a really interesting wrinkle to their roster. And I think that's three point shooting. And at that 12th pick, I think you're going to have the potential to have names like, you know, Grady Dick from Kansas, um, Jordan Hawkins from UConn, maybe even Jet Howard from Michigan. I mean, I think that's the next type of recipe to add to this roster that could really get things cooking. Because obviously Chet Holmgren is going to come back this year. A lot of upside. I'm really excited about that. And then you had J-Dub, Jalen Williams last year. Shea, we know how good SGA is and Giddy. So they got a lot of stuff going. I think getting an outside shooter now really could start to take things up to another level for this team. So let's let's focus on Grady Dick for a second mm -hmm. because I, I think he is more than just a shooter and I think that he is a really good prospect. However, some think that that's my Kansas bias. So I'll let you have the floor and discuss what you see uh, in Grady Dick. You know, all, all those guys I mentioned, all, they're always going to get the tag of like, oh, they're the three-point shooter. But I think each of them have a different dimension to their games. And when you talk about Grady Dick specifically – really intelligent basketball player um, and, and not just when it comes to obviously like floor spacing, catch and shoot opportunities, but he's a fantastic cutter. He really understands how to, you know, find the lapses in the defense. And um, when you're talking about his fit with the thunder, that's going to be really intelligent, you know, combination of Chet Holmgren. A lot of people will get obsessed with his length and size, but he's a very intelligent basketball player when it comes to playmaking. There's some upside there. Then you put Giddy with, you know, some great size and obviously him being the wizard of Oz, we understand what he can do with the ball in his hands. So then you had someone like Grady Dick, who's such a talented off ball mover backdoor specialist. And then all of a sudden steps out and has limitless NBA range. I think that's where Grady Dick could really make a lot of sense to this team. And a lot of people are going to kind of talk about his defense and, and almost think that there's a weakness there. I think Grady Dick's a really smart team defender. And when you're putting him alongside all those pieces they have, especially with Chet Holmgren, you know, protecting the basket, I think that would make Grady a, a much better player right away. And he's not going to be someone you're playing off the court. I, I, I really think that. I think he's a, a smart enough team defender that he's going to help you out. And, you know, six eight with really sneaky athleticism. I know a lot of people are going to laugh at that, but he can get up there and he finishes with some nastiness. So I think Grady Dick would be a, a fantastic get if that's the way the Thunder want to go. Yeah, I, I really stress the fact that, you know, he's he's not a point of attack defender, but he is a good team defender. Yes. And with the Thunder, they have enough pieces to where that's they, they already play this kind of team style of defense anchored by Lou Dor and then Chet whenever he comes back this year, Chet, you know, and so on and so forth. Even SGA uh, grading out as an excellent defender. So at 12, another name would be Leonard Miller that is like very popular with Oklahoma City. What do you see in his game and, and, and even more so specifically with the Thunder? He's uh, he's become the wild card of this whole entire process because coming into this year, I, I thought Leonard Miller needed the G League Ignite and, and he, the Ignite needed him because it was the perfect marriage of just he needed the developmental path and, and the experience and the playing time. And I got the opportunity to see him live in person this year when they were scrimmaging um, Victor Wembanyama and the Metropolitans. And right away, I was like, okay, this is going to be 
this is going to be their next project. Like this is the guy they really need to install some confidence, let him grow. And the player from the beginning of the year to the end of the year is a completely different. It's, it's unbelievable. The strides he took with his development. So he's going to be a wild, wild card because there's great size. There's athleticism. He has a little bit of flashes in every area that you're like, Whoa, okay. Is there something special here? It's just what team is he going to fit with the best? Now, the idea of him going up next to Chet Holmgren in that Thunder lineup, that's going to be really intriguing. That I mean, 6'11", 6'10", with great length, a little bit of playmaking upside, some nastiness defensively. I still think there's some rawness, and that's expected with his youth. But at, at 12, it would have to be a, okay, we're all in. We really believe in the upside of this. And if you do, I mean... I'm never going to doubt Sam Presti. I think we've seen that before, but um, he's a name. Also, I think maybe you're talking about trying to go back up to get him. If you make a pick at 12 and then you're trying to use a future pick to, to go get him, maybe that's the route you go. Maybe you trade back from 12. I don't really know if I see that with the thunder. I feel like if anything, they would try to go up. So you mentioned there the wild card and not doubting Sam Presti. And that's perfectly leading into this. We've seen where Sam Presti will just select his guy wherever they're picking at, and it doesn't really matter what the consensus or projections are. If you had to look into your crystal ball and, and say, in the next 20 days at pick 12, Sam Presti will take this player who none of us are truly thinking about at pick 12, who, who would you guess that might be? Ooh, you really put me on the spot here, Ryland. Um, yeah, if I had to just have a, a wild card name to throw out there, and, and it's them staying at 12, I'll give you two names. I think one would be Colby Jones of Xavier. Now that's just an out, out of left field. I'm throwing that one out there. I think he checks a lot of boxes when you're looking for what the thunder, you know, could potentially like, I, I think he could be this year's Jalen Williams. When you're just talking about kind of an upperclassman who does a little bit of everything on the offensive side of the ball, obviously the thunder have about 56 guards right now. So we'd have to figure out that, but just high basketball IQ, great feel, really good defensive player, um, took great strides with his outside shot this year. I think that would just be a guy that checks a ton of boxes. And then another name I, I would throw out, which I think makes a lot of sense, is Bryce Sensabaugh of Ohio State. Um, that's the shooter. If you're looking for a shooter for the Thunder, Sensabaugh has the potential to be an efficient elite one. He, he's got some, you know, some defensive room for improvement, but – um, when it comes to just a bucket getting machine, I don't know if there's one as good as Bryce Sensible in this class. I mean, he's he's coming off a very impressive year. And if medicals check out, if everything checks out, I think he could be a little bit of a name to, to keep an eye on if you're a Thunder fan. That's some great stuff. Now, I want to leave with this one. Give me a little synopsis on what Keontae George brings. Man, you, you're really hitting my soft spots here. I love Keontae. Um, I think this is going to be one of those guys that just kind of slips through the cracks throughout this whole process. And then someone just is all in on his tools. I got to see him in person this year. Um, I was really impressed, but it's funny because he was listed at about 194 in the beginning of the year. And I, I saw him in person. I was like, there's no chance he's 194 because he's just really stocky. And then saw recent videos and I've heard about the just, his body's in fantastic shape now. He's lost some good weight, and I think that's going to help a little bit with his explosiveness. But 
a lot of people are going to get married to his percentages throughout the year. They're a little lower than you want to see. He's hovering right around 40% from the field. I think it's a little bit that system um, where it was kind of just like, here, it's your turn. You take over. They had a really talented backcourt. But Keontae's highs, when he's when he's cooking, he's almost as good as anyone in this class when it comes to just taking over a game, his shot making, um, his multi-level scoring ability. I, I really think he's going to be kind of a potential gold find, if you want to say it that way, with, with an NBA team. He's one name I just can't get over for the Thunder because I think if he's on the board and they buy in, you might say, hey, we don't care about positions right now. We, we're just taking the best player available and we'll figure it out. And maybe that's the the wrinkle you add to your team when it comes to, okay, we're getting a floor spacer now. And you can run a lot of different lineups out there with, with the size that J-Dub has. I know he spent some time at the three last year. Josh Giddy, you can just put him everywhere on the court. Maybe Keontae's the one you put next to him. and you know, you just hand him the ball, let him go to work, especially with Chet Holmgren on the court. Yeah, I think that he's someone that's getting overlooked by like the majority of fans at 12, but mm -hmm. the consensus mock draft sometimes have him there at 12. So I just want to get your thoughts on him. Now coming up, let's talk trade partners. Who would be worth trading up? Who would be worth trading back into the first round? All coming up on today's show. But first, once here right now, our good friends over at FanDuel, folks. FanDuel is incredible. It is the Locked On Sports Book. Go to FanDuel.com slash Locked On today uh, to get started. You can go there. Uh, whenever you go there to FanDuel, uh, you can see all of their incredible uh, options for betting with parlays, with spreads, over-unders, everything else. And you, whenever you do, you can get a no-sweat first bet up to $2,000 uh, whenever you go there today. A no-sweat first bet is bonus bets back if your first bet does not win whenever you go to fandor.com slash locked on uh, to get that no-sweat first bet. And it's awesome because you can bet on every sport. So even though basketball is winding down, you can still bet on baseball and every other sport imaginable as they all start to roll and ramp back up. For example, finals game one, Heat going to Denver. The Heat are nine-point underdogs in Denver in game one. So if you think that that's too much of a spread, you can go bet to the Heat to cover, or if you think the Nuggets are going to just blow them out, you can bet on the Nuggets there. So go to Fando.com today, uh, go to lock, go to slash locked on, and then you can get started with that no sweat first bet. Uh, go check it out today. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for joining us on today's show. We're joined by Tyler Rucker of No Ceilings. We'll get the draft guide uh, that's out now, uh, previewing the NBA draft. Tyler, the the conversation around the Thunder has been about trading up, and, and that's been a mixture of because of the team's success last year and because they have four first-round picks in the 2024 draft class plus all their future picks. If you were in control of the Thunder and you had to trade up, who who is the guy you're circling that you would just desperately want to trade up for that you could realistically see happening? Jairus Walker, I, I think that's the the absolute slam dunk for the Thunder if you could get him. Um, he's been a player that I've had extremely high on my personal big board the whole year. I think he is a dream fit um, next to Chet Holmgren when you're talking about the defensive upside, the the playmaking that both of them have. He's just – everything I've heard about Jairus Walker has been outstanding the entire year when it comes to just the type of worker he is, the type of kid he is, the intel – it's been a clean sweep. It's just been fantastic. So um, if I'm, I mean, I've been looking too. I promised Thunder fans, I just because I'm obsessed with trying to figure out what the the plan is for Presti and company. And 
I think it makes a lot of sense with all those picks they have for them to be aggressive and try to go up. And I think if you're if you're looking at a couple names, I think it would be Jairus Walker is probably at the top of the list. I know he's got a lot of fans in, in that range and um, teams are, are very smitten on him. But I also think, you know, UCF's Taylor Hendricks could be another name. Maybe that's, you know, two names that the Thunder feel really good about trying to go up and get. Yeah, my big three for the Thunder trading up has been Walker, Hendricks, and then Grady Dick. Let's start with Walker. What mm-hmm. would be a way in which he he can be maximized by Oklahoma City? He he's just one of those really versatile defensive kind of he's gonna he gives me a lot of vibes of Draymond Green, and I I can't stand doing pro comparisons because a lot of people take that to the grave. But I think he reminds me of Draymond Green when it comes to his impact on the court without scoring. Um, he flashed a lot of playmaking brilliance this year, but if you go back and watch his high school game at IMG Academy, he was, you know, he ran the point sometimes. He was bringing the ball up, running the offense, so he's got a lot of really special gifts when it comes to that. Putting him and Chet Holmgren together is just an unbelievable potential like move for an organization. That's where you really get cooking, and that could be the final piece of that starting lineup to to move forward. I just think Jairus checks all the boxes where I think the Thunder would try to do anything they could to go up and get him. But problem is, is they're going to have to go to a range where there's a lot of teams when you're getting past the, you know, the top four that are very intrigued with Jairus Walker. Um, So OKC would have to say, okay, where can we go to get in front of a team and also convince that other team to come back to where we're at? And, And that's, where the poker game comes in and and that's why it's going to be really interesting to monitor the buzz in this upcoming weeks. Yeah. That's going to be the issue with, with draft day trades is what I've always used on this podcast has been like the Luca Trey young trade where you not only have to trade up for a guy that you like, but you've got to be able to still deliver that team, the guy that they want. And so that's where leaping up from 12 all the way up to five or four is difficult. And, And people kind of look at it and say, well, why don't you just offer this Godfather package of, 12 and four future first well the the part of the issue would be they're not going to get their their guy that they want in this draft if they go all the way down to 12 they'd have to be willing to sacrifice that for the luxury of some future first now there are some teams you could talk yourself into maybe like washington if they're truly gonna rebuild through the draft maybe, maybe that they would they would sacrifice some draft position for the sake of building up some draft currency uh, but you know that's kind of down the line but i think that walker would be my number one player in this draft for OKC. I'm just not sure if that they can get to that range. I think that Taylor Hendricks might be a name that's kind of more reasonable in the trade-up range, uh, if it's possible. What what would it look like for you to have Taylor Hendricks on this roster both now and then in the future? I think a, a lot of similarities with Jairus Walker, but I think you're you're kind of getting a more, and I don't mean this in a bad way, a more vanilla version, which I, I think Hendricks alongside Chet is still a fantastic combination. I think if you can't get to a range where you're trying to get Jarris, and I think if OKC is going to have a shot, they're probably going to have to get ahead of Indiana um, because Indiana is probably going to be very intrigued with those two players too. But um, if, if Hendricks is still on the board and they could get up there to, to get him some way, you're getting a, another floor spacer with great size and shot blocking ability and, and defensive upside. And I think his pairing next to to Chet is just as fascinating. Um, I think some people are a little bit lower on Hendricks, and I understand why because he's he's sort of just 
one of those players that's really smart, but just takes what you give him every time. I, I mean, he's, he doesn't make things difficult on the court. And I think that's where he could really thrive with the thunder is you'd make life pretty simple for him early on. You'd be like, Hey, you don't have to do the heavy lifting offensively. We've got plenty of guys in the backcourt that could do that. Then you got Chet Holmgren right next to you. That's going to make life easier. That's a front court to really grow with. And, and I feel like, Hendricks could come in early on and be like, hey, play good defense, space the floor, you know, be a pick and pop weapon. That's another, you know, wrinkle I think makes a ton of sense. But it's another guy that is going to be a popular name. Um, I've, I've heard great things about him and and it's tough because those are the the two darlings. It's eye candy right now for a lot of teams. They're all trying to figure out like, okay, how can we get Jarris Walker or Taylor Hendricks? And the good thing is the Thunder got a lot of ammunition. They just need to get someone to to be comfortable with falling back to potentially their pick. And I don't know, maybe it's, you know, I kind of threw the idea on social media today. I was like, maybe Orlando could make some sense where if they're bored at six, isn't really, you know, there's a kind of a bit of a drop off when you're talking about those players. Maybe Orlando falls back and has, you know, two guys in the later lottery that they've really liked that they're like, Hey, we, we like this. We can get two guys that we have our, our eye on and pick up a couple future first. You never know. But like you said, Ryland, you got to be willing to go back. So you got to make that offer sweet enough. So as someone who studied this draft all year round and multiple years, the value in tiers in this specific draft, I want to ask you if this trade that's been very popular in thunder circles makes a lot of sense. Value wise, is there enough value in the thunder giving up pick 12 and next year's, Utah pick, 2024 first round pick owned by Utah, back to Utah for pick nine. Is there, are you getting enough value going from 12 to nine to warrant giving up those two picks? Ooh. Um, problem is, is I don't, it, ooh. see, it's going to depend on the players that are still on the board. That's probably why I, I can't stand draft day trades, you know, of the night because we usually get the late reporting, but, um, Next year's class is going to be a, a challenging one. And a team like Utah that, you know, kind of snuck up on everyone. I feel like you always come back to earth a little bit the next year when you when you surprise people. So maybe that pick is valuable. But I think I'm a big believer of go get your guy. Like if you believe in his upside, if you are, are right in on him as a prospect, do whatever you can to go get him. And um if the board played out the way that Presti and company would want it, then yeah, it makes some sense to me because you're, you're giving up a future future pick and probably a, a draft that you're probably not, you know, head over heels about. And if you could get one of these guys that really makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. And with how the top of this draft's going to fall, there's going to be a name that slips through the cracks. Maybe it's the SAR Thompson. Maybe it's, you know, I doubt it's Cam Whitmore, but maybe it's Hendricks and, you never really know. Maybe they love Keontae George and they don't want him to potentially get, you know, to 10 or 11, or maybe they're Jordan Hawkins is a name that I've heard a lot of teams really like in that top 10. So maybe that's who they could go up and get. And um, if that's your guy, it makes a lot of sense to me. Speaking of going up and trade values, we're going to talk about buying back into the first round as well as second round sleepers. that might fall through the cracks all coming up on today's lockdown thunder podcast. We're back on today's Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for joining us on today's show. We're talking with Tyler Rucker of No Ceilings. Go get the draft guide out today. 
right now as you prepare for the NBA draft at home. A lot of great stuff, great graphics, great details about these prospects. Now, Tyler, we've talked about moving up from 12. Mm -hmm. We've seen last year where Sam Presti had picked two, 12, started out with pick 30, traded before the draft, and then some second second round picks where he'll just go and buy back into pick 11 and go get Usman Jang, a guy that he really liked since Usman was 16 years old. Let's say that they keep pick 12 and they select someone at 12, whoever that ends up being. From from 13 to 30, is there anyone who you see that could be in a range where the Thunder might want to get back into that first round and go get someone who might fall? Yeah, I, I think it would make a lot of sense. You know, they have the ammunition to be active. Um, and I think there's going to be a couple names on, on the board that could fall to a later spot that a team like the Thunder could say, let's go get this guy. Like, this is potentially great value. We have the the opportunity to kind of roll the dice a little bit. And if it doesn't work out, we tried. If it does, we're going to look like geniuses. Um, you know, Bilal Koulibaly is a really popular name right now. Um, he's been teammates with Victor Wobinyama over the years, um, or over this year, excuse me. Really talented wing, young, um, there's a lot of upside with his game. I think he's going to be a little bit more of a learning curve and a little bit more raw early on. Kind of the same story as Usman Zhang. So maybe you're you're doubling down on that experience and reaping the benefits down the road. And um, depending on what the Thunder could do at 12, maybe you try to get back in and you're aggressive and get Derek Lively to pair with Chet Holmgren. You never really know. That's, you know, the Duke freshman big man with a lot of shot blocking ability. There's a lot of different routes. Um Gigi Jackson's one of those guys from South Carolina. Um, I think someone at some point is going to say, okay, we're, we're going to go after this kid and, and be patient with him. I'd love him to somehow go to the thunder because I think they do such a great job with their developmental process with the OKC blue. I think they just, they get it. They get being patient and letting these kids kind of develop and get some confidence. So there's a lot of really intriguing talent that I think, in this draft could start to slip and you could see some teams be aggressive with trying to get back into it, especially the thunder. So I'm glad that you brought up Derek lively. Cause he's a name that is popular with some thunder fans, not mm-hmm. all. What would it look like for you? Just what would it look like for the thunder to draft Derek lively? What does he bring? How does he add to this team? He's uh he was one of the more fascinating evaluations this entire year, because he was one of the top recruits coming out of high school. Um, had a calf injury to start the year for Duke got off to a little bit of just a slow start, trying to kind of catch up and get caught up to speed. And I thought his second half of the season for the blue devils was just brilliant. Um, Really versatile defender, fantastic shot blocker. It would just be the idea of pairing him and Chet Holmgren together. And I know I keep bringing up Chet, but that's how special of a defender I think Chet's going to be and show in his rookie year. And you're adding another lethal shot blocker who, you know, in this second half of the season really showed he could get out on the perimeter switch and, and maintain and hold his own. I think he's got the potential to be fantastic value because coming into the year, a lot of people thought he was like, okay, this is a projected top 10 lottery guy because a lot of people thought the offensive game was going to just be further along. And now I think you're getting to a point where you're like, maybe this is a little bit more simple where it's, he's a lethal lob threat, really good in the pick and roll, plays great defense and rebounds. And and maybe that's where you keep life simple for him. And he's an impact. And, you know, we've seen the guys like Clint Capella make a very long career doing those things. So I I think Lively still got some untapped upside. You saw it as pro day for clutch. He was 
hitting some outside shots that got fans a little exciting. So um, I think Lively would be one of those names that this is a tough big man class because when you get past Victor, you're like, okay, who's the next one? And Lively might be the guy that's going to reap all those rewards, especially with a couple of bigs announcing they're going back to college today. It's going to be really interesting, but I think someone's going to be very intrigued with Lively and maybe it's the Thunder who are, looking ahead to next year's draft and being like, no, let's go get a guy now because we're not too trying to go get future picks for next year. We have all these picks. Let's go get another piece. Do you buy that outside shot? It's It's been so frustrating. I talked with my co-host uh, for the No Ceilings NBA Draft Show, Tyler Metcalf. We talked all year about it. The whole preseason, we were getting this buzz about, you know, Lively's outside shot. He's going to showcase it this year at Duke never happened. And we were just like, what happened to all that talk? And then the workout video comes out and we're like, okay, it's there. And you saw a little bit of it in high school. So I think it's solid and, and something to get excited about when you're talking about developmental. If the Thunder drafted him, I don't think they'd want him taking outside shots. I think they'd be like, no, Dirk, you rebound, let Chet go take some outside shots. But it's definitely an intriguing sign to to work with. He didn't get uh, the chance to really showcase a lot of offense at Duke. And um, I think it, it took a lot of pride for him. And it also was really impressive of him just buying into like, okay, I can be this dominant defensive big and and really help our team. And Duke kind of shifted with their, with their ability the second half of the year because of him. Um, You go watch that game against North Carolina. I think he had like seven blocks off the top of my head. He was all over the place. So I, I buy the potential of that becoming something, but I still think Lively is going to be really impactful when it comes to just the simplicity of, of basketball and playing his role to a high level. So a couple more names about trading up back into the first round. Uh, what, do, what is your quick thoughts on CeCe Soko and Brendan Pazemski? Pazemski is a popular name. Um, I've heard both sides. I've heard there's still some, some scouts that are a little bit on the fence, some executives that are just like, I don't know. So it's going to be like, okay, who's buying it? Because when you watch his tape, it's incredibly impressive. He's so competitive. He dives everywhere on the floor. He battles, he rebounds. Um, I think someone's going to buy all in. I, I really do. And I think he's very shifty and can score at multiple levels. I, I wouldn't be betting against him because I think he's going to figure it out. City Sissoko is another name that just, fantastic year when it comes to development really nasty getting downhill um got some potential as a defender but the playmaking is beautiful it's really special so i think that's another name if you could try to trade up and i know you know the thunder having a pick later so maybe city's one of those names that's that's still on the board somehow or maybe you can even move up from what is it 37 off the top of my head yeah i mean maybe you can move up at the end of the first and, and get him. I think there's a chance he's on the board still. So at pick 37, let's talk mm-hmm. some sleepers who fall down. My absolute dream scenario, which is looking more and more like a like a pipe dream by the day, is that Kobe Brown will fall to pick 37. Are you on the Kobe Brown train? Oh, I love him. Yeah, I think Kobe Brown might be, you know, I think he'll be there at 37. Um I think there's a world in which he's there at 50, but um, I also know there's a lot of fans in, in draft circles with Kobe Brown. I like his game a lot. I think the versatility, the size, he, he did everything for Missouri. Um, they played him at almost every position. They, 
They had him, you know, running the offense. They had him spacing the floor. They had him playing center sometimes. Like he's a big boy and willing to do pretty much everything, a strong feel for the game. So I think he could be there at 37 for sure. I would be doing just all the celebrations. If Kobe Brown is a member of the Thunder in the second round, is there anyone that jumps out for you with like a second round target that you just think is a perfect fit for the Thunder developmentally, team fit wise, just whatever? I I still think Julian Strother of Gonzaga, if he's there, that's just, that would be an unbelievable value. I, I think he could go in the end of the first, but in this draft, when you get to about 25, there's, you know, from 25 to 40, any name could go anywhere. It's, it's really remarkable this year. Um, Indiana's Trace Jackson Davis. I just, I love his game. I think that could be a really kind of a sleeper pick if the Thunder could somehow land him. Just as a force, the playmaking took a fantastic stride forward this year. So that's another one. And then Jaime Jaquez of UCLA, I think, is a guy that we're going to look up down the road and say, man, he played 10 plus years in the NBA and just one of those mid range guys that will battle in the trenches and has unbelievable footwork. And uh, I think those are a couple of names I would be really pumped about if, if they landed with the Thunder at 37. So I got two more for you. Number one, uh-huh. let's, cir- let's circle back to 2022. We've talked about Chet Holmgren this entire time. What was your evaluation on Chet Holmgren? Because I think that people get lost and like, hey, they won 40 games. Hey, Jalen Williams is so great. you know, and, and they forget like what Chet Holmgren might be able to be in this league. So what was your evaluation this time last year of Chet Holmgren? I had him number one on my board the whole year. Um, I saw him in person because honestly, I was like everybody else when I, when I was evaluating him on tape, I was like, I don't know if this frame's going to work and looks a little, you know, it looked fluid, but it was a little like slow. And I was like, I, I got to go see him in person. That's what I always say when I kind of have a, a headache with the prospect and seeing him in person, I was just jaw dropped immediately. I was like, man, it is smooth. There's a lot of offensive stuff that just in warmups, I was like this, there's a lot of stuff here. And then, um, defensively, you know, I, I know everyone's going to be smitten on Victor Wemanama this year. I still think Chet is ahead of Victor defensively. Um, and everyone's going to be like, whoa, what are you talking about? Chet is very intelligent off the ball. Chet, Chet with his rotations, he's extremely aware. He understands where to put himself to kind of give him that edge like a chess player. I think Victor's length kind of makes up for a lot of his stuff right now. And don't get me wrong, they're both sensational shot blockers, but I think Chet's, you know, understanding of angles and putting himself in the right spot is, is definitely ahead. And the offensive game, I know everyone's obsessed with his frame. He's very fluid in person. He's, he's going to be a headache this year. I think we saw that summer league. And I think you're going to see that, especially with the roster they have. Now they're going to be dangerous. And now that that floor is going to open up and it's going to make life a little bit easier for Chet early on. So very high on his game. And that's why I'm talking about him so much because the, the hype is real. If he could stay healthy this year, it's going to be a, a very fun ride for Thunder fans. So I, I want to end it with this last one. Historically, you know, you've been evaluating prospects, everything. You have a whole company evaluating prospects. Historically, who is your biggest draft miss? Oh, you're going to love this one. Um, I had SGA going later than he should have. I think I had him late teens on my board. And that's probably my worst miss because I go back now and I like 
I'll always go back and look at my misses and be like, why did I miss on him? And I look back at his numbers and I'm like, what was I thinking? And it is just one of those. I thought he was going to be really good. Thought he was going to play at the next level for a long time. I just didn't see the all-star upside. I mean, he, I mean, he's almost a superstar now. So I have to kind of make fun of myself with every Thunder fan because I'm like, hey, one of your favorite players and one of my favorite players in the league right now is probably someone I should have believed in more as a prospect. But yeah, I would say SGA just, I'm harsh on myself. So I had him in the late teens. I should have had him, you know, top 10, but turned out to be a valuable lesson. And I can't stand evaluating Kentucky guards in general now, but I still love Casey Wallace this year. So there you go. We'll, we'll have to learn and, and keep moving forward. <laughs> Well, yours is far less embarrassing than mine. Mine is Josh Jackson. I thought Josh Jackson was going to be incredible. Like I, <laughs> I was, I was live tweeting every Josh Jackson game, even his son's debut. I was so upset that the Celtics didn't take him, and he just isn't good at all. And it's just like I, I don't know. I, I just missed that catastrophically. But I thought hey, Josh Jackson you, was going to be him. You probably weren't the only one, so don't worry about it. It, it. That's just that's the tough part about this. There's no such thing as a guaranteed pick, and you know, sometimes the situation is everything. And we always talk about the fit with draft and, you know, the night of the draft, we'll look at all these guys and be like, I like where they ended up when it comes to fit. And then some of them will start being like, Oh boy, I hope it works out. So it's just, that's why the draft's all about fit. And that's why we love it. And we love to dissect it every year. Tyler, thank you so much for your time. Very gracious with it. Let them know where they can get the draft guide and everything else that you want to plug. Uh, just head on over to noceilingsnba.com. You'll find all the information there um, when it comes to our draft guide. Thank you, everyone, for the support. Um, Ryland, thank you for having me on. And, and this was an absolute blast. And thunder up. I, I wish you guys good luck. And anytime you need me, just come asking. I'll be, I'll be here. Let's do it. Let's do it. Thanks for joining us again. Uh, go, go check out No Ceilings. Until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another.